Hi, my name is Stephanie. And my name is Chris. And this is episode two of MADS. Thank you so much for joining us again for another episode of Mondays for Analytics and Data Science. Last podcast, we looked at how analytics played a role, um, not just in medicine, technology, or math, but also in our personal lives. We also looked at how linear programming is a useful tool for modern analytics by determining relationships. However, at this time, we decided to shake things up differently and shed light on a topic that we feel is really important to us. But first, we would like to introduce you to Rajul Jain, Vice President of Analytics and Data Science Relations and Communications at King's Econo Mass Society Club. Hello, I'm Rizal, and thanks for having me, Steph. Also, thank you guys for making the first episode a great success. Of course. And before we start touching on today's topic, I would like to tell you guys that we do have the winner of our AirPods giveaway, which we will be disclosing towards the end of this podcast. So stay tuned. Thanks, Steph. So, Rajul, uh, what do we have for the listeners in this episode? Well, today we will be exploring women in science, the biases they face, and how women were able to break through the glass ceiling. Excited to already be talking about this? You don't even know, so let's get started. To start with, do you guys know what happened on July 20th, 1969? Um, wasn't that when uh, Apollo 11 reached uh, lunar orbit? Yes, you're right, Chris. What do you know about it? Um, basically, it was, it was something impossible made uh, possible, and it ended a, a better rivalry between the Soviet Union and the United States, correct? Okay, but what does moon landing have to do with women in analytics, Rajul? Well, it has to do a lot. This accomplishment couldn't have come to fruition without the help of Katherine Johnson. It was Johnson's efforts that was responsible for the moon landing. Johnson was able to calculate the precise trajectory of the spaceship, speed, moon's orbit, and gravitational pull to safely land the spaceship and allow Neil Armstrong and his crew to walk on the surface of the moon. Since at a young age, Johnson demonstrated a knack for numbers and she would go far counting anything she would see. She always knew she wanted to make a difference and it was this curiosity and passion that led her to NASA, where she could apply her gifts to real-world situations. However, Johnson's efforts are not the only exception. Women have been at the forefront of challenging and changing the world around us. But Rajul, I actually have never really heard of her before. It was, uh, it was basically Neil Armstrong and his team that were headlining all news articles, and that's all I really heard about that. See, that is the point, Chris. I feel the glass ceiling and societal constructs have kept women from receiving recognition. For instance, it was Albert Einstein's wife who actually supported him through his formative years of developing the theory of general theory, which was one of the core tenets in physics. So we can see that women have been marginalized in a predominantly male-oriented field, and that is why we feel that it is extremely important to give credit where credit is due. Exactly. You can scroll through any science textbook and hardly find any contribution or paragraph that is solely dedicated to women in the field of STEM in the history. This topic actually reminds me of an article I read about gender bias in STEM areas. Come on, Chris. Don't be afraid. Tell us more about it. Sure. So, um, so in the science, technology, engineering, and math areas, the overall workforce has been dominated by men, especially during promotions. But after doing some more research and simply witnessing it during my own uh, experience, this is caused by a bias many have towards women and a false narrative of a limitation that's compared to men. It has created a stigma in STEM as well. See, I don't get why such a bias still exists. Even after encountering so many examples from the history of women in STEM, we have Florence Nightingale in the nursing area who remarkably contributed in interpreting nursing problems by using statistic techniques. 
Ginny Romiti, who was the CEO of IBM in the 70s and contributed into marketing and strategy. I feel like this goes back to the way things have been marketed this entire time that offered men an imaginary pedestal they have over women through propaganda such as posters, company marketing materials, and promotions being subjected to a personal bias. This has been backed up by years of constantly being told one thing over another and it becoming a norm among an entire generation. Yeah, see, you make a good point. And even if we look at this problem in the perspective of clustering algorithms, we can see evidence of gender bias in how we group and label STEM work. The researchers require their participants to score the semantic differential for the name of each STEM subject. They found out that these selected respondents were more likely to categorize these names as STEM subjects into the masculine side. And so on, these subjects became a cluster which held masculine characteristics. This result is directly reflecting a fact that whether men or women themselves are consciously or unconsciously holding a stereotype, that men dominate the STEM field. I agree that there has been a constant norm that has been promoted throughout the years that has psychologically influenced generations into thinking the way they think. Recently, with the push, we are all fighting for regarding equity in the workplace. I believe women should and finally will be able to gain the same fair privileges as their male counterparts. Women are capable of doing the work, but also viewing things from a fresh new lens at times as well. As long as both parties can do the job, what else really matters, huh? I know, but unfortunately, some may still ask, what is the point of women entering this field as women apparently have lower career expectations? They say once she gets married and has kids, she would quit the workforce to take the responsibility of her child and family, then making the man the sole breadwinner of the household. But as we all know, this is absolute backwards thinking with no real supporting evidence that points women can't be equally contributing parties in the workforce. In this day and age, it is so difficult to live on a single income. And to give you some perspective, as a 20-year-old woman with her whole future ahead of yourself, I can tell you confidently that I plan on both balancing a competitive work life and an amazing family. And I know many women just like me. Women can have it all just like men. Wow, Steph. Preach. And, uh, and also going back to the idea of being taught a norm so far, I recently read a report published by the American Sociological Review in 2020 that uh, proposes how women's under-representation uh, in STEM fields is derived from conscious exclusion and unconscious gender biases. So it has a big thing to do with how we have been told what a norm is in the working environment, but nonetheless, we are in a society where change is being encouraged. I do believe that the gender gap will continue to decrease, and it is our responsibility to promote that, that potential to anyone, man or woman, can achieve, especially within the data science and STEM world. I think introducing the concept of an increasing interest in both women and men in this specific field, for example, during university networking events can help promote and possibly encourage many to introduce themselves towards this field. It goes back to the way things were marketed. It's about ensuring everything is being promoted fairly with limited bias to everyone and their choice on pursuing this career is where our job stops. Simply showing both parties the idea that women and men are both leaders in this space provides a sense of comfort that though things are possible, we are all reacting to what is being given to us. The sad part is that this type of gender bias starts from a very early stage of applying for jobs. That is choosing the best suited candidate for an interview while sifting through the resumes. But nowadays, AI plays a big role during the recruitment process to specifically avoid human bias during decision making, correct? 
Not quite. I see where Rajul is pointing at. For the aim of increasing the efficiency of the process of sifting ideal job applicants, companies are more likely to apply an algorithm to simplify this process. This helps lower human resource recruitment expenses. To start this program, the companies input their hiring criteria for the position, like wanted job skills and specific capabilities, as keywords into this algorithm. Then the computer automatically searches for those keywords in every resume and gives a score for their matching rate. Then finally, only leave the ones which match those standards as the final winners and can move on to the next recruitment stage. Yes, but what causes the controversies is a company setting candidate's name as one of the sifting criteria. That means the resume sifting program is already existing with a gender bias when it only runs a masculine name as a keyword since it defaults that some jobs or positions are almost for males but not leaving enough opportunities for females. You know, according to Canada statistics, only 8% of the highly paid jobs within top 100 companies are occupied by women. This actually reminds me of uh, Amazon's AI recruiting tool that was developed to help in the recruitment process. However, after a few years, they realized that the software is not gender neutral in its results. And after research, they found out that their computer models were trained to vet applicants by observing patterns in resumes submitted to the company over a 10-year period. Most came from men, a reflection of male dominance across the tech industry. In effect, Amazon's system taught itself that male candidates were preferable. It penalized resumes that included the word women, as in women's chess club captain. And later, Amazon edited the programs to make them neutral to these particular terms. You know, it is so appalling to know that even computers can be made biased. Anyway, if the data they are trained on is biased, they will inevitably spit out biased information. Sure. And um, going back to the idea and the, transi- uh, the transitory state we are currently in, where we are working towards change and are technically in the early stages of implementing this successfully, it will take time. But I am hopeful that this sort of bias becomes insignificant. Again, I do believe it will happen, but it will take some time. It is actually awful to hear about such kinds of unconscious bias still happening. I guess this is why some companies face the early stages of the recruitment process by even removing candidate names before the interviews are conducted. That is a pretty good idea for the short term as we work towards identifying and changing our unconscious bias. It is about improving continuously and working towards that end state. In this case, removing the candidate's name also helps us avoid guessing their sex and focus solely on the qualifications of said candidate. Exactly, Chris. And with the emergence of this field, given that data science is beginning to be taught in elementary schools too, the way this field is being promoted to everyone is starting to be approached from a more equitable standpoint. Everybody interacts with technology to some extent. And so the role of a data scientist, coder, analyst, etc. are in very high demand. These positions can help equip businesses to plan better, solve solutions faster, and forecast potential options on what can happen based on current choices being made. However, there remains the constant struggle I'm worried about, the gender bias, which currently is present, but I'm hopeful that concepts of gender avoidance interview, algorithms being created fairly, and just the conversation of the potential one can reach in this field will help close that gap and make this more about skill set than gender. Yes, yes, yes. I love to hear it, Rajul. As mentioned throughout this episode, the conversation and raising awareness among the population on what can be done in this field, regardless of gender, is where it starts. Personally, I am hopeful for something positive to come from this as well. And believe me, that as much as it will take time, we have to make sure we are always working towards equity. 
preach stuff <laughs> and uh, and, listen, <laughs> and listeners, although we're not going to tell you everything about this specific topic, we would like to hear your thoughts. So please feel free to leave a comment and tell us what you think should be viewed as a possible solution in fighting gender discrimination. I would just like to thank all of you so much for joining us for the second episode of our Mads podcast. I loved talking about the problem of gender bias today with you guys. Although this is not the end, we will be interviewing some of the successful women in the field of analytics and data sciences to incorporate their experiences to our knowledge and learn from it. The interviews will be shortly posted on a YouTube channel, so stay tuned, guys. And I really hope that these interviews are going to inspire the next generation of women in business, technology, and science to break free of this gender bias chain and share their work. If you want to learn more, feel free to visit Kim's YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram for regular updates. Do not forget to visit Kingswick University College at Western Ontario Analytics and Data Sciences Program website to know more about this program. And here comes, for the most awaited moment, Rajul, are you ready? Yes. Chris, are you ready? Of course. Okay, well, we do have the winner of our AirPods giveaway, like I promised. I need to see some excitement now. Come on. Okay, okay. And the lucky name is Justin Zhu Wang. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much for everyone that entered our podcast and is sharing our podcast as well. Justin, if you could just send us a quick DM via Instagram on the Chems Club Instagram, um, that would be great. And also feel free to drop the topics you guys want for the next episode. We will be back with a new topic on a new Monday. Till then, stay safe and stay happy. This episode was produced by Kristen Fang and Amer Ajawi. Five citations were used in the making of this podcast. And if you're interested, visit our YouTube channel to check them out. Also, thank you to our academic supervisor, Professor Felipe Rodriguez, for helping us throughout this journey, and sound engineer David Nguyen for editing this podcast episode. Until the next episode, stay safe, everyone, and be kind to one another.